tech debt. You run into problems when your system no longer gives any fucks. Ben, it's a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> making this hard, man. All right, technical debt. Metaf- metaphorical term that refers to the cost of maintaining and updating a software system that arises when software developers take shortcuts or make decisions that prioritize short-term gains over long-term maintainability. Yeah. And like you and I have been a part of a lot of startups where everything's rush, 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 rush. And yeah. And we've talked about the risks of that before, and this is really where that comes in. But when you've got that short-term mentality of the only thing that matters is we've got this one feature that as soon as it comes out, the app is going to blow up and we're going to make millions of dollars. We're a feature away from being a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it's always short-sighted because in those rushes, in those sprints, that's, I, I sometimes struggle with the term sprints. I know it's the official agile and scrum thing, but people get focused on, well, it's a sprint. So well, we're you, rushing. Gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go fast, go as fast as you can. Yeah. And like the original intent was, okay, it's just this short burst that we're doing. And then we're going to take a second and recover and figure out where we're bursting to next. Like, you know, making those quick, decisive movements, but it's turned into, we're just going to sprint all of the time, go as fast as you can and screw any of the consequences. So where do those, like those, that rushing, those shortcuts, what, what, what that's where a tech deck comes in because when you're rushing like that you're forgetting a lot of the important things that like you said contribute to the long-term maintainability of a product of an app of the software like these kinds of shortcuts can include things like writing code quickly without proper testing using outdated technologies or libraries because well they work right now and i've got a buddy at uh, this company whose API we're using who promises up and down that we're always going to have access that I've never heard of that biting anybody ever. <laughs> so what you're saying but is you can, relying on third party libraries and APIs might not be the best idea. Yes. And it, it depends on your situation, but, and what you're using them for, but yes, it can also include things like putting off red, not doing, documentation um, or delaying important software updates like like any necessary dependencies that kind of thing yeah so just like financial debt technical debt incurs interest and it has to be paid back at some point yeah in the near future usually right so which can be which can make it more difficult and costly to maintain the software system over time as you let tech debt go unfixed or unsolved or yeah that interest just continues to accrue so and it's like the really nasty compounding interest yeah it's not even like oh well it's a little more sucky as time goes on so all these startups that are strapped for cash or you know have a runway that's running out all they're doing is increasing development time and costs Mm -hmm. and it it decreases their system reliability so like now you have a buggy app that doesn't work or you know whatever it is or it reduces the flexibility for future updates like when actually if your tech debt gets to a point where it's hard to write new features because things just don't work the way 
you expect them to, or there's like no documentation around complicated code, you now have new developers or, you know, maybe junior devs that not only do they they're expected to add features, they have to do all these weird workarounds, workarounds for... just to have <clears throat> their spaghetti code work on the new feature. Yeah, and it just gets worse and worse as it compounds. And that flexibility can bite you, but the bigger, like in my opinion, the biggest problem is tech debt's version of bankruptcy. Like, you know, you've got this this account that's accruing interest over time, and you get to a point where you can't pay it off and you default on it. The bankruptcy that comes with tech debt can manifest in really one of two ways. The first one, when developers get to a point where like they're being serious about this and it really is the only way of our only option to continue is to throw away everything and start over. Like that's not an easy call to make, but sometimes you have to declare bankruptcy and rebuild your credit and get new accounts over time. That's one way it can manifest. The other way is if you allow one person to become the person and like not manage any of this tech debt, not have any of the documentation, not have any features like understandably written, no code comments, all that stuff. What happens when they leave? Like there's this image that has floated around the internet for years and it's a screenshot of this person's code. And the, the, the comment on the code says something like, when I wrote this, only God and I knew how it worked. Now only God does. <laughs> and, because that dev left, clearly. Yeah. Right? And then it's got a thing underneath it where it says total number of hours wasted here. And it's got like 200 something hours in it. And you're supposed to increment it every time you go try to mess with that. But when a person leaves like that, <clears throat> it's not just an annoyance. It's a huge risk. Like that person left or something happened to them. They got hit by a meteor. They won the lottery. Whatever. I'm actually haunted by one magical function. Oh, yeah. I think we've both experienced this function in a past job. And it was one of those undocumented. Um, basically, it was a syncing function for streaming features. Oh, yes. And it was spaghetti code <laughs> with really weird random comments like it's this way because it has to be <laughs> right like just super cryptic if there yeah. were ever blood on the wall comments yeah, like it was just like, <laughs> like a face smear of blood right <laughs> like someone got smashed against glass right there oh geez yeah um, but that's those are the kind of risks that you take on when you don't address the technical debt yeah and technical debt requires software developers to invest real time and resources to refactor and rewrite code, update dependencies, improve documentation, write more tests or tests. A lot of code bases we inherit don't mm -hmm. have any tests. That's, so yes, that's true. You have to get all these processes started, which is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Like starting any process that's new that has been ignored is a task in itself so it's challenging but long term it's the only way you're going to have a sustainable code base yeah i mean it's a lot like 
cleaning your living space, like your house or your apartment or whatever, if you let the dishes pile up for a week, then you've still got the same number of dishes, only now they're moldy, they're nasty, they're harder to clean by a lot. You've got all kinds of funky smells. Whereas if you just cleaned stuff off as you went and put it in the dishwasher, like that's maintainable, that's sustainable, that's something you can do. And most people like... You know, it just piles up on you. It creeps up on you. And everybody has the best of intentions when it's they're starting a new too, product. Until it implodes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you don't see it until it's, oh, no. And honestly, it, it takes a lot usually for developers to start speaking up. Yeah. Um, and even when they do speak up. Because no, they, they don't want to sound like they're weaker. They don't know what they're doing. But yeah. Like if code starts getting so bad that they're having a hard time updating and adding features yeah well and this is my problem like with the sprint language mm -hmm. is you know the business people and everybody above them managers and stuff they're focused on we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and the developers don't feel like they can breathe much less i'm gonna take an afternoon and write documentation yeah so like it it just piles up on you but most people have some form of tech debt built up, even if they don't see it yet. What are some of the actionable things that we can actually do to like take care of? I've got this sink full of dirty dishes. Right. What do I do about it? Well, so from like a business owner working with developers, mm -hmm. things that you might want to do, like one, if they're telling you there's a problem, take it Trust seriously, them. right? <laughs> so one thing that's awesome, right? You can put a pause on features. Like that's the whole, whole idea with Scrum, right? Yeah. So put a pause on features. Like if it's that bad, you can spend a sprint or two sprints at least starting to tackle your tech debt, getting a process underway where you can at least get slightly caught up, right? Yeah. Like the idea behind a sprint is we've got this chunk of time, typically two weeks, but you know, whatever whatever your business is using as your measurable chunk of time. And in that time, what are we going to do to meet the needs of the business? Like, how are we going to fix the needs of the business? Mm -hmm. And what people don't see is, even though it might not seem like it to uh, an executive, handling this tech, net, tech debt is a need of the business. Right. And since it accumulates, you want to think about this in a very like process oriented, a very like process oriented delivery. Mm -hmm. So like you want to look at multiple areas, right? So falling behind on unit tests is one place of tech that mm -hmm. clear and well-written documentation is another piece where tech, tech that happens, right? And dependencies, you can have outdated dependencies, security flaws, all those things. So you want to get a process going where you're constantly checking dependencies that you use mm -hmm. for their latest versions. What are the updates? Are they important? Do they concern me yet? And it might not, but you might want to take note of, okay, here's the next version we should probably consider updating to. Yeah. And so like with this tech debt, a lot of the time it accumulates because people don't have like a direct or clear way to take care of it. So in my opinion, one of the most important things is things like documentation and passwords and all that need their own home. So like with documentation, a lot of the time what happens is either there's none 
or it's like, here's a text file or a Word document that we're updating and passing around the email, around the office, I'll send it to you in Slack. And then you end up having a copy yeah. instead of up-to-date things when it could just be hosted and shared live. Yeah, like you wanna host it in something like Notion, ClickUp, et cetera. Some people use like Google Docs. I, I'm still not a huge fan of that just yeah. because it can get hard to like manage the tree and all that stuff with different folders and files and all that. Whereas like ClickUp and Notion, you've got the hierarchy right there and you yeah. can have like sub pages and that yeah. kind of stuff. ClickUp's my favorite. So anyways, I find it easier to manage documentation through something like that. Yeah. Passwords and accounts also need a home that's transferable. What Where a lot of small businesses especially run into trouble is they have this single person that's like the ad hoc CTO or the lead developer. And they're setting up all of these accounts for like their cloud services, their database, um, analytics, all of that stuff. And they set it up under that person's email. And then that person leaves. And now they have to get into that person's email to manage everything. They don't know what all they have. They don't know what all is going on. And so I usually recommend that people set up an account like developer at my company name, whatever dot com or um, as the founder yeah take the responsibility into your oh hands. yeah that's i mean in an ideal situation yes the founder should be involved but a lot of times it's, they're not technical they're not technical they, they don't, don't care yeah. they're just send me the bill and make sure we're not getting screwed mm -hmm. kind of thing and so having some kind of central email address some central username and shared password manager yeah like i mean there's awesome solutions out there now, even for like team sharing, like one password. Yeah, we use one password, but there are a lot of them. Yeah. So you want to make sure that that's somewhere that's easily transferable. Like I said earlier, you know, if that if that developer sets it up, they're the ones with all the keys and then they leave. What are you going to do? And like they could leave on good terms, right? But also sometimes there's bad falling out and they could be um vindictive like <laughs> yeah vindictive that's the word <laughs> i mean i've been in situations where i could sink a company if yeah. i wanted to and it would take me two minutes right like i wouldn't <clears throat> do that probably <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you don't want like a vindictive angry employee that could just blow up your your servers yeah even if they're the cto or yeah. the lead engineer because Things happen to everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to use those password managers, those universal accounts kind of things. Um, and the other biggest thing really is if you're not sure what tech debt you have or how to solve it, ask your developers and give them what they need. Like we've been in situations where we've said to CEOs of companies, this is what needs to happen. These are the reasons why. Here's something clearly demonstrable to say this needs to happen. This isn't our opinion. This is this is what needs to happen. Yeah, and you have to be And they argue with us. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> like, you have to, you have to be patient yeah. because they're always going to write it off. They don't think it's important. Yeah. But if you can clearly demonstrate that like look, if this continues for like 6 more months, no one's 
going to have functional code. Yeah. And like sometimes they'll see reason and come around and it'll be great. Sometimes they won't. And, you know, you just got to let them sink themselves. Unfortunately, if they don't see it, it usually just becomes more and more frustrating as a developer. And you're going to end up losing all your engineers. Yeah. Because they won't want to work in the code base. That's people don't really talk about it much. But there are like these mass exoduses of developers. If the whole team leaves, it tells you something. (laughs) It's a red flag. Yeah. But yeah. So if your developers tell you they need something to do. To their bad leadership or bad code. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) All of the above. Um, But yeah. So listen to your developers. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, if you're a business owner. What if you're just a solopreneur, an individual developer? Like for those people, I would say one, follow all of the above advice Mm -hmm. because it's something that's scalable. All of that is scalable, even if you are on your own or you have a team of five or whatever. If you're like aware, mentally aware of an issue that doesn't exist yet, but you have the processes in place to stay on top of it, you're in a it's good place. a lot easier yeah. to handle. Like if you're always if if your your readme is up to date, if you're spending a few hours a day just like kind of doing cleanup and maintenance items, mm-hmm. you're gonna be in a, a way better spot, right? Yeah. And so like that's all part of management. And we'll talk like we'll bring that up a little bit in a bit. But like the immediate hey I've got a ton of tech debt. Because I I'm guilty of this yeah like i'll get going on a project well i don't think you realize how dangerous it is until it has smacked you until a few it's times. bitten you yeah in a very real way yep and so like you want to manage it you want to take care of it as quickly as possible and so like if you're working with a business and you need to take care of tech debt and you're like contract work whatever hourly talk to them and be like hey i'm gonna need some time to take care of these things these are the reasons why and like stand your ground with it the same way you would if you're, you know, working with a bigger company, you're part of a team, whatever. But you want to make sure that they understand why it's important and that it does get taken care of. Mm-hmm. Because like I do a lot of contract work and it's my responsibility to make sure that the people that I am contracting for are taken care of and don't have these problems come up and bite right. them. They hire you for your expertise. Exactly. Whether they like to hear everything you have to say, they're not going to love it every time. But at least you're delivering them like honest information about their code base because so many people are naive. About yeah. It. Like a lot of people think like code's written once and done and then you just move to your next feature. But that's it's it's a, it's, it's kind of like a living organism. Like it all branches off of itself. Yeah. And it's. And then intertwines and tangles. So like if <laughs> you have nasty code one bug here is going to you know spread like a virus throughout your code base yeah exactly it's i've got a garden and i left a couple weeds over there but there's no way the weeds are going to make their way over here to these other plants like yes they are yes they definitely are another big thing is if you are working on your own it's really easy to ignore all of this because you know what you're doing you're the expert you know even if it's your own baby if it's your project but have you ever stepped away from a project for a couple months and come back? Like, Dude, I can step away for a day and come back <laughs> and be like, what was I thinking? Right. You look at your own code and you're like, WTF was I doing here? Dude, like, just sometimes your brain isn't 
your brain is just trying to accomplish a task versus accomplish a task efficiently and clean. Yeah. And like context switching kills. Yeah. Big time. Like you've moved on to a different project. You're swapping between them. I I handle multiple projects all week and it's hard. Like it takes me a couple of hours, even if I worked on it yesterday, it takes me an hour or two to get back in the mindset of how did all of this work? Mm-hmm. What was I doing here? Because you just lose track and it happens. And so doing all of this stuff and handling your tech debt makes it a lot easier to handle the context switching and like the documentations there. You leave a list of to do's, you have comments in your code and you're like, oh yeah, this is why. I mean, I, it was a couple of years ago, but I ran into a problem working on somebody's project. I stepped away, worked on another project, came back and completely forgot that I had this problem working on their project and I didn't build them for it, but I spent like four hours re-researching. Rediscovering the problem. Well, like a lot of times, like your documentation is for you. Yeah. Not like, of course it's for the next dev too, if you leave, but it's for you. But the trick is you're the next dev. Right. You could be like, yeah, I forget what I do all the time. So the better you document things, the better off you are. Probably a big thing you can do if you've already got the tech deck going on is sit down and take a few hours a day to handle that backlog. And you can start by identifying what else missing. If you don't know, then you can look at like some larger reputable open source projects and see what all they're doing. This is usually things like a really clean readme mm-hmm. or, you know, demos of the project, a wiki, bug lists, dependency update lists. I mean, We've both run into that before. Yep. You ha- you want to just constantly keep an eye on that because the more you fall behind on a dependency, the harder it is to update. Like if you stay on top of minor updates, you're less likely to run into problems. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the times those minor updates come with things like security patches and yeah. important minor details that you don't really see when you're just glossing over it. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you stay up on those as much as possible. Like with web projects, um, with like NPM, it'll flat out tell you, hey, there are 76 security warnings Yeah, for these packages. And it's terrifying. It is. Because like even with like Vue, where it's an established framework, hundreds, like probably not hundreds, but tens of thousands of developers are using it. And you just create a new project. And their dependencies aren't even up <laughs> And there. like... And you run npm install after you've created the project. And it's like, you have 76 security warnings. And, and it's 1,500 like, moderate warnings right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's that's comforting. But yeah, I mean, you don't have to get crazy about staying up to date. Like, uh, uh, like currency things, mm-hmm. money, transaction things, and security, yes. Yeah. You have to. Um, Things that are like less important and probably not that big a deal. I'm yeah, if to... it's like an animation library. Yeah, like, like it doesn't matter. Freeze it in and use it because you don't want to break the animation. But remember, at some point, if you update your platform to work on newer technology, you might outdate your own dependencies. Yeah, and, and that's that, so... important in the dependency list. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I keep them is because of things like, hey, I have to use... I mean, you run into it all the time, but I have to use this version of this package of this external dependency because 
the next version up is broken and they're working on a fix for it. Yeah. It's nice to keep your dependencies short because mm-hmm. it's easier to track. Yeah. Like if you're pulling in a dependency for everything, you have to kind of like kind of consider yeah. why you're a developer. <laughs> That's fair. Um, looking at you web developers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people are quick to just use it because. And with those dependencies, like, you know, like I said, I lock it into a version because I have to. If I walk away from that. Well, no you got to let knows. it build on your server. You have to yeah. lock it in, right? Yeah. But you still have to be aware that you're. you're well, it's more of like a don't update this. No. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I've got my package lock file. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if another developer walks in and they go, oh, well, this is stupid. This library was updated four times since the last time. And whatever you were avoiding is still broken. They'll go update it. And, and then, not pay attention. Yep. And then, especially with things like animations, it's hard to test those. Yeah, because like if your project compiles and builds, you'll just have broken portions versus compile yeah. errors. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so it's important to at least keep an eye on it. All right. So once you have your tech debt under control, it's actually not hard to keep up on, right? Yeah. So you dedicate a day per sprint just handling tech debt. Like it's just maintenance, house maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, you clean your car yeah. once a month. You know, you go through a car wash or wash it, whatever you do, you vacuum, you clean your house. So it's just normal This is maintenance. the day of the week that I shower. Yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> so like instead of it being hard, it's not a time suck. You're doing small, small tasks. And yeah. Just staying on top of them. And um, yeah, so you could spend an hour a day documenting your code. Yeah. And like you also want to make sure that everybody's guilty of it. Every developer ever is guilty of commit messages like stash or (laughs) I feel attacked. (laughs) Oh, you're about to be. (laughs) Um, But you want to make sure that your your code base contains ideally clean or comprehensive git, git commit messages. If they look like Jacobs, then you're going to want to at least update your wiki or readme with like a good change log when features are released and that kind of stuff. You want to make sure you've got at least one clean source that you can read. You don't like my commit message refactored things? No, not especially. <laughs> like, I've been trying to be better, but yeah, your commit refactored messages. Refactored because Ben whined. Like, um, commit messages are important and I'm work, I'm, I'm better, I'm getting better at it because when you have a change log, you can literally just go through your commit messages mm-hmm. and that should be like the repo log. itself becomes the change log. exactly and now you can just kind of spit that out onto your landing page if you want if yeah you, or wherever you're wherever you're tracking your releases yep and you can set up there are all kinds of apis for it and stuff that'll just take your commit messages and say here is your change log and just auto generate it for you mm-hmm. and like with the auto generation there's also a lot of good tech out there that it's it's already exists and people are working on it for other languages that includes inline documentation like it does it in the code for you and having your your language your your compilation process do that for you is fantastic like elixir does it rust does it nobody cares about any other languages right (laughs) those are the only ones that matter what i really love about what i love about um the documentation in Elixir is not only do you like, you know, you you say like what your arguments are, you know, mm-hmm. types and all that, what is returned, 
And then you can run example code. So like, how do you use this function? And you literally pass in an actual parameter and what you're expected out. Yeah. And when you're writing unit tests, you can actually import um, doc tests and mm -hmm. those chunks of documentation are actually ran what? as tests. It's the coolest thing ever. Right, I'm, it's, I'm a little jealous. But... It's like my favorite thing. So not only in Elixir, when you write a unit test, you also run your doc test. So you're almost double, mm -hmm. double covering functions. I should check and see if Rust does that. I haven't done that, obviously. It's super slick. And I didn't there. realize it was a thing. I always just like, oh, these examples are nice. You know how to use this. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, why? Like when I first started with Elixir, I was like, I don't have this many tests written. Why is it saying that it's running? Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that they're my doc tests. Like, <laughs> you did I, have that many tests written. And then I would like, I changed one. It's just like commented code essentially. Yeah. And then it failed. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. Yeah. So like that kind of inline documentation and those functionalities, anything you can do to help yourself by automating the process is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like if it comes stock with your language, great use it. If you have to use a third party library for it, that's something where I, I would absolutely be like worth it. Do and it. then you can automate like um, documentation for your whole like API and project. Yep, with exactly. Too, so. And that just takes more, that gives you more time of your day back. Yeah. Where instead of being hunched over writing documentation for the stuff you just got done, spending eight hours writing, you just run it and you're done. What's nice too is if you're on top of it, you write a new function, right? Mm -hmm. You immediately write your your documentation and your doc test, and then like like boom, like what did it take you? Probably forty five seconds. Yeah. So tech tech, it um, the sooner you get your deck tech deck deck tech, the sooner my deck tech, the sooner you get your tech debt under it's control. Nineteen nineties playing with tech decks. I don't decks. <laughs> So, yeah, the sooner you get it under control, the easier it is to handle. The sooner you define your process to identify and solve the problems you have, the easier maintenance becomes. Yeah. So don't burn your ship by forgetting to dump your shit.